Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. I guess there's multiple ways to be able to look at other people, and we often view other people from our own lens, and our own lens is based on our own experiences, our own biases, and our own values, and I think it's really helpful to, to sh- reshift. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Pony Slusher. I'm the editor at the GRC Institute, and today we have with us Rebecca Christensen from Thriving People Consulting. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, hey, I'm really, I'm really well. How are you? Ah, not too bad. Um, today we, for our listeners, today we are going to be having a bit of a chat about communication and communicating across the organizations to different generations within the organizations. Um, I know for many of our members listening that we we know the common trend and the things that we hear coming out of like popular media, but we're going to we're going to jump over that and Rebecca's going to explain to us the breakdown a little bit better. But first, we're going to start with who Rebecca is. So Rebecca, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm a management consultant and also an executive coach, but in my previous life, I was an executive and senior leader. So I worked across the private and public sectors in Australia, the UK and Europe. And I'm an old millennial. Um, and so for many years, I played the role of what I call the millennial whisperer, where I worked internally across a range of businesses and I was often the youngest person in the room, often the only woman. And so I frequently helped my peers understand people my age and younger and kind of why we showed up in the way that we did at work. And now I just like to use my lived experience to work with organisations. Well, we're going to call on your lived experience and your ability as a millennial whisperer to, (laughs) I guess, sort of lay out for us, what are some of the unhelpful stereotypes uh, that are out there about millennials and Gen Z? Yeah, sure. So when we're talking about millennials or Gen Ys, um, we're speaking about people who are aged mid-20s to early 40s. So I just make the cut. Um, And Gen Zs are people aged 8 to 24. But I think often, even though we're two different cohorts, we can seen as being non-conformist, having a lack of respect for hierarchy, and perhaps less motivated or even lazy is a term I've I've heard being used. And I guess there's multiple ways to be able to look at other people. And we often view other people from our own lens, and our own lens is based on our own experiences, our own biases, and our own values. And I think it's really helpful to, to reshift the way we see others and so would it be helpful for me to share the way that we could see these three traits that we're often renowned for yeah yes it would be helpful so when we think about the the one trait we often get labeled with which is being non-conformist and kind of wanting to do our own thing then organizations often want people to conform to their culture and ways of operating but I think what we bring both these generations bring is a uniqueness um, and we bring diversity of thought to the table as well. We are able to challenge thinking and so we're much more comfortable doing that and we're also hoping and demanding that organisations focus more on us so we want our opinion to be heard and we've gone through our experiences having our voice heard through schooling and through our university years too and so we really expect that at work as well. And often we might be perceived as being resistant to change, but actually we just value unique thinking and we we want to bring that to the table. So I think that if we can review the way that we see that potentially negative trait, it can actually be a real strength within organisations if we can can capitalise on that. 
In, uh, in regards to the second point where we're seen as often having a lack of respect for um, hierarchy, and often we might challenge senior people in public forums, which um, some people, you know, might find really challenging at times. And I guess if, if we can shift the way that we see that behaviour, it's not that we don't have respect for authority, it means that we're more inclusive. And so we actually value everyone's opinion regardless of the, the level that they sit within the organisation. Um, and we respect people who we view to be confident and competent, particularly competence. And we respect people who care genuinely about others, whether it's about their people, their team, the customer as well. And so that is something that we use in the way that we assess competency, which is often different to other generations. And thirdly, we often might be viewed as being a bit lazy or, or unmotivated at times, particularly around change. But if we switch the way that we see that, then actually we all value our work-life balance. And so it's really important for us to maintain good physical and, and mental health. And what that means is, is that we're not willing to sacrifice that for organisations at times. And I think that there are some people in the workplace, you know, who might find that really hard. And we just we want to live a rich life and enjoy and pursue our interests outside of work and have energy left at the end of the day, not just be shattered. <laughs> yeah, sure. So but I mean, I'd imagine that those sort of perceptions and those unhelpful stereotypes probably have an impact on how companies will communicate with those generations within their organizations. So it'd be interesting for you to tell me a little bit about how companies sort of um, allow these perceptions to get that piece wrong in terms of communicating with the generations, but also flipping it because we don't like to be negative. What have you seen? How have you seen some companies get this piece right for those who do um, do not subscribe to those sort of common perceptions? Sure. So I guess some of the mistakes I see being made um, around the way that we might communicate with these generations on the way we might communicate change as well is that one I see a lot of organizations just taking the same old same old approach um, so rolling initiatives out or communicating in the same way without actually focusing and understanding on what the employees actually need they haven't taken the time to really understand and put themselves in their shoes so they do the same common strategy and I think difference always gets people's attention so if you're able to communicate in a way where you're using feedback and you're using language from stakeholders about what's important to them, then I think that can really help. But I said taking the same old approach just doesn't help. Also taking a top-down approach to communication and instructing change or instructing people to do things with a real lack of context just goes down like a lead balloon as well, particularly if it's a shock for people. <laughs> um, the other mistake is organisations or particularly teams thinking they have to have all the answers when they're communicating and they might be asking people to change and do things in a different way. So I think being okay with not knowing or not being an expert and being curious to see how other functions might see the change or what you need to implement, and I think that's that can be really helpful. And the other mistake is undervaluing the importance of communicating why. So it's just failing to explain the bigger picture on the change and just giving a really um, narrow view of what's taking place. I think that doesn't go down well either. Yeah, sure. And so how about, so how are companies getting this piece right then, those who are paying attention? Yeah, I think that, that organisations do four things generally when they get change in communication right. So one is they seek input from a range of stakeholders across many levels of, of organisations about the change that, that is being designed and about the communication strategy. 
to have a really clear listening strategy and spend longer on it than what they think they probably should. So I think that's the first important point. The second point is they have a genuine commitment to co-creation as well. So they're implementing with shared outcomes that are focusing on both the people and also on the customer as well. So I think the third point then is for organisations to be really flexible in the way that they deliver or roll out initiatives and doing it in a different way that meets the outcomes of both the customer and also the employee. And the fourth way that they do it well is explaining the why. So in their communication strategy, they're being able to explain how this change might have a positive impact on the customer or employees or on the company brand being seen to be doing the right thing in the eyes of the community. So they're just able to provide that helicopter view on on the change itself. Excellent. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's good to be able to use podcasts to demystify and debunk some uh, millennial (laughs) myths. Oh, great. Thanks for your time. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute, and the music was produced by Rob Neary.